This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Do it justice if, uh, you know, the, the ghetto was, was, like he said, uh, an incredible amount of people for an incredible amount of time, relatively. But two or three, I guess, Torah points of it. Um, First of all, there was, of these underground Stieblach and so on, there was one especially known, a Gera. The, the head of it was somebody called Matisio. They were called Matisoskve, I think, you know, the Matisio type people. Um, they were very heroized. It, it's hard to know sometimes the stories exactly, but what it is, it was a group of people that lived with incredible Nefesh, didn't, didn't shortchange their Anhogis in, in, in any way whatsoever. And it, it became the stuff of heroes for Gera, boys and so on. Like this was no holds barred, Mr. Nefesh, till the end. Um, there was somebody, Prager, who wrote about this a lot. And one of the things, he mentions a certain scene in the ghetto that I, I think gives over an extraordinary sense of how much our Yiddishkeit is, to, is dependent on what goes around. He, had, he, he said he was once walking down the street on Shabbos and he saw a former a Chassidah Shayid and, and a, they were shaven and everything and he was smoking a cigarette on Shabbos and he was shocked. Everybody had to go work on Shabbos, okay, but smoking. So he says to him, Shabbos, guy looks at him and he starts laughing, just laughing hysterically. And he realized, war Shabbos. Everybody, everybody had one pair of shmatis, everybody went to work, there was no different thing, and there was zero, nothing to indicate it's Shabbos. Like a person felt it was, it's like on a Tuesday morning, someone would say it's Shabbos, you just look at him and laugh. And he said that life had become so stripped of any Yiddishkeit that you basically, there was no Yiddishkeit, just, just there wasn't. And that's why the people who held on to it, you have to understand, you had two choices to hold on to Yiddishkeit. Either you went underground, which meant you were risking your life, no food that would come in normally, if you, if you weren't registered properly and so on and so forth. So you could, and you, and you basically lived in a rat hole, like those rat holes we saw, plus minus, you lived all the time like that. Because anytime somebody caught you and you weren't legal, you know, you'd be shot. So that was one way. But the other way was, incredible sense, you're bone tired, you're frozen, you're starved to death. I mean, for us in Kippur morning, without the coffee, we're half alive. I mean, I mean, this is, this is on and on and on. There was no sense of anything. And once you get used to eating, it, it, they, they, they write in different firm after World War I, this is more of a, 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 a like sort of a mystical look at it, but somebody felt that the ureda of Kalal Yisrael so drastically was, because they had to eat horse meat and chafer meat during World War One, or else you would starve to death. That was this. That was. So he said it was metamtem as a lave. You could look at it mystically. Because simply, once you got used to eat horse, it, for us eating chafer is is you, you can't imagine it. But once you can imagine it, once you've done it, it stopped. So so, so the, the the life stripped you of any tzelmulikim, and so on. He describes it, and he said the rabbanim made a special tefillah. They, they told everybody t in the first year to eat kidneys on Pesach, obviously, I mean, there was nothing else. And, they, and you set a special tefillah, the same Hashem that told us to be nizah from this and this, is telling us not to eat the kidneys, I mean, Mali Rotson. 
And he, he said in the beginning he thought it was strange, but when he saw this scene, he realized that they were, they were just going to be stripped of any Yiddishkeit. They, they obviously didn't know how it would end. But, so that's one thing I wanted to share. A second thing, Rabbi Yaakov Yechil Weinberg, it, people asked about Rabbi Chaim Briska being, being stuck in, in Warsaw and the Netziv. Warsaw was the big city. If, if Eastern Europe was the biggest city, if Vienna was the <coughs> next one up, but Vienna was a different world, Warsaw was the city. So if somebody were to freeze everybody in New York, you would get business people coming from Europe, you would get Mishalacha from Yisrael, you would get sick people in hospitals. Anytime, if Warsaw was the place where people flocked to, there was help and so on and so forth. In the Warsaw ghetto was Rabbi Yaakov Echil Weinberg, and who is really Aish. And he writes some memories, and he says, they said that since they have so many Rabbanim and so on, they decided they'll make something achtos. And they had everybody write a shtickle Torah on the same, on, on Psachim, on Psachim de Ginyanim, on the same topic, on, on, on the Machleg Zihur Rabbanim, what it's Besrei for Becholdavim. He said there were over 400 shtickle Torah. He said he had over 250 different Terutzim on the Rambam. And they were, it, was, it went to print. And the Germans bombed the, the print shop, the, that area, and, and it was gone. But So they had, he had over 400. He writes that the shtickle that stood out for its depth and clarity was the Mirah Shiva's son. Rabbi Leizudl had a son, Rabbi Avram Meir, who was really his favorite, Chaviv. He was married to Rabbi Chaim Briska's grandson. Rabbi Chaim Briska had a son-in-law, Rabbi Herschel Glickson, who lived in Warsaw. He had a yeshiva called Torres Chaim, named after Rabbi Chaim. And Rabbi, and Rabbi Meir was his son-in-law. He and his whole family were killed out. But he said his shtikotaris stood out. That was a fa fascinating vignette. W one more Torah relic, remnant that we have from the ghetto is the Piyasatzna. Um, Piyasatzna, we'll talk to him at, we'll, we'll talk about more in, in Varichas because there's so much to the person. But he was in the ghetto. He was, before the ghetto, he was a rising star in terms of charisma, chinuch. Uh, he, he, he was a visionary. And he wrote up the Shtikach Torah that he said on the, in the Titian here that he kept. And you see, there were three years worth of it. And you see how it goes from hope to, to from saying it's another Tzara will go over. And his son, his, 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 his daughter-in-law, his mother, his aunt, they were killed. And at the end, he basically feels Klayasol had never had such a Churban before. And hopefully it's the beginning of some big era. Um, it, it, the safer he hid it, he wrote it, it was hidden in a milk can, it was found in the 50s and, and published, and it's called H. Kodesh, that's H. Kodesh that we have, and you know, it's called H. Kodesh for that reason. Um, one, one of the most powerful things that he writes there, this is after his Chavi, his son, was killed, and in a certain sense, that was a point, the turning point where he realized that, and he says that in other words, Kalal Yisrael's thoughts somehow become Maisa. They, they, they become enacted. The Gemara says that if a person wanted to do a mitzvah and it didn't come to fruition, it will come to fruition. And he says, Avroma Avinu's machshava to bring Yitzhak to Akeda is the most powerful and most enduring machshava in Kalal Yisrael. And he writes, we are 
the Maisa, we're the embodiment of that, of that Machshava, of Akedah. Our Akedahs are fulfillment of his Ratzin. It was probably most powerful of a very, very powerful Sefer. And, and he lived it and he was killed and, and, and so on. Like we spoke last time about the trees that die. He was killed, it was gone, nothing was left. Nothing, period. Over, over, over. We miraculously found this firm. For whatever reason, the, um, it speaks to our generation. Um, his Torah is something that inspires a lot of young people. The Eish Kodesh Shul in, in, in Woodmere, North Woodmere, in Woodmere is, is, is something, a personality who runs it, it's named after him. It has some of, of that ability to take Hasidus, I'll talk more about it because he was an incredible person, way ahead of his times, to be able to take it and inspire a young generation. Um, and and uh, same thing, you know, it was buried, it was dead, and then a twig began growing, and, and his Torah and, and something about his perspective has become very inspiring to the, to the young Dar today.